Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are the Arnies, and we have nothing better to do than be here with you. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friends, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how you doing? I knew we'd come back. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be talking Star Wars again, and especially happy because I think our boy Mark Hamill, and I do mean boy, uh, took an acting class in between A New Hope and Empire. Honestly, I think we need to break out the medal because he deserves most improved. Let's get into it. And Keith, it's always good to see your strong jawline. How are you doing? Whoa. Whoa. Is it as strong as a jawline as Harrison Ford? <gasps> I think it might be stronger. Whoa. Hell yeah. That's all I need. Nice. Alrighty. Well, before we get to the show, we do need to see a, say a quick thank you to everybody listening because this week we hit a big milestone. We had 100 downloads, um, which is huge for our show because we're brand new. So thank you so much, everybody, for checking us out and giving us a chance. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks everyone. Hopefully, uh, you know, more people hop on board. And for those of you that have been downloading already, hopefully you're enjoying the show because we're having fun doing it. All right, enough of that mushy stuff. Let's get right <laughs> into it. Today, we are continuing our bi-weekly series on Star Wars with Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. That's right, it's Part 2, Episode 5, but it's also our seventh show. You follow me yet? That's a lot of numbers. That's confusing. But today, we are discussing what many consider to be the best film in the Star Wars franchise. And I'm curious to know, after we finish here, if you guys feel it holds up to that designation. I, for one, am really happy to believe in a new hope behind us. Matt, I imagine you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, look, A New Hope, great movie. I just, for me personally, just didn't really hold up. Didn't have that same magic in terms of the actual, like, viewing experience. Um, So it was cool to watch this one after like being worried going into it that I might not like it either. Um, but yeah, I think this movie definitely holds up so much better than a new hope or at least the version of it that we watched. And I think there's so much to be praised about it. And I think it's definitely, it's gotta be up there. I mean, if not the best star Wars, it's top two for sure. I think most people would agree with that. So happy that, you know, I still feel that way. Alrighty, well, let's, as always, start with some quick movie facts. Um, the cast in this film, um, most people know, you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, James Earl Jones, they all return as their characters. Um, and we do have newcomers, uh, Billy D. Williams as Lando Carlissian and Frank Oz, who voices Yoda. I love Lando Carlissian. <laughs> <laughs> Calrissian. Oh, Calrissian. Close these, enough. These Close names, enough. man. I'm so sick of these names. Where are the easy names like Biggs? What happened to those? <laughs> <laughs> well, George Lucas got a new writer in this one. So. That's true. George Lucas only has a story credit on this. I always looked back and for some reason I thought that he wrote all of these with Lawrence Kasdan. But I guess he didn't because um, I believe on – well, definitely on this one. And I guess Return of the Jedi, he only has a story credit. He also brought on his former professor um, at USC, yeah. Irvin Kirshner, to direct mm-hmm. this film. And then he also hired uh, Lee Brackett, who is a science fiction author, to co-write this film as well. Okay, so there you go. So they wrote it and then George Lucas, I guess, just had – like the story concept, and then they all work together. I think it worked out, though, because I think this movie, I like the way the story flows better, and I definitely like the way it's directed and how it looks more. So I think it sounds like they made the right choice all around for me. 
Yeah, I had always thought George Lucas directed the entirety of the original trilogy, but I guess I was wrong there. Yeah. I guess he's just more of a consultant on all of them, per se. I mean, um, like you were saying, I think he had more of just – he was just the guy to approve all the scripts more so than write them, I'm guessing. I don't well, know here's, guess here's something else I also found interesting. Um, he actually – George Lucas actually didn't plan to do a sequel because originally he just titled it Star Wars. Um, he didn't anticipate this movie to be successful or as successful as it was. Um, but he decided to come back because he realized he could make a better movie than he was able to the first time around. So that was kind of the big driver of him coming back. And then also most of his special effects crew had left him at this point to go work on Battlestar Galactica. So that led to him creating his own production company, which obviously is now called Lucasfilm. And then Lucasfilm was able to uh, buy the creative rights of this film from Fox. And so Lucas got full creative control of the franchise. Gotcha. So yeah, he was definitely still very involved. I guess he just this time didn't physically write the screenplay and he obviously didn't direct it. But yeah, obviously, you know, he has a big part in this. Um, Okay, so this film comes out May 21st, 1980. Um, Its original release makes 400 million worldwide against an $18 million budget. So once again, just a smash hit at the box office. And actually with re-releases and stuff like that over the years, um, the total box office for this film is 540 million worldwide. Yeah, and I read uh, that George Lucas actually put up eight, that eighteen million was his out of his own pocket. Yeah, that's one of the ways he was able to get Fox to sell in the movie was he agreed to personally finance it himself. Um, so Fox still kept twenty percent of the cut for this film, uh, but that's how he was able to get it made. And um, it actually released to number one at the box office, of course. Um, but at the time, it was coming up against The Shining. They debuted it on the same weekend, um, and it, and The Shining was actually expected to beat this film, but uh, Star Wars came out on top. Yeah, I wonder what they thought that. I mean, it was a sequel to Star Wars. Hmm. Stanley Kubrick obviously was popular, but that seems like a weird call. <laughs> they wouldn't make that same one today, but it goes to show you, I guess, this movie was an underdog. At least the original one was, for sure. Yeah, um, and so this film actually came out and got mixed reviews from critics at the time. Um, obviously, from the audience, it's grown to become you know considered the best film of the franchise. Uh, but the critics at the time, some felt it was really fun, had great visuals. Um, some thought it was like, a really good sequel and uh, they pretty much all agreed that it was an improvement on the writing. Um, but the critics that didn't like it felt it fell flat and didn't tell a concise story or have enough character development to be a worthy sequel to the first movie. I felt like the character development was pretty good. I mean, when, when it jumps into Hoth, it's pretty much established that Leia, Han and Luke have been kind of working together for the past, I guess, like six months to a year, however long they've been with the rebels and all yeah, that. Yeah, and the other big complaint was they felt like it didn't have really have a beginning or an ending. Um, but obviously this ended up being a middle film. So it kind of works right. uh, after you see everything. Yeah, I guess I get that. I mean, in terms of character development, I guess. I mean, in the actual movie, do the characters really change? Not really. I guess Luke probably does. But, you know, does Han Solo, Leia, any of the other characters really change that much from beginning to end? No, but I think that's fine. Um, I think, you know, looking at Return of the Jedi, when we, when we do that next time, I think then we'll probably have to dive into it more to see if they achieve what they wanted to with these characters. But I mean, I, I was fine with it, what they did with the characters. And yeah, I definitely agree that, I mean, there's no real beginning. It just kind of starts and it's in Hoth and it feels like the middle of, of like a war movie, not in a bad way, but, and then, yeah, the ending was certainly what ended up being a cliffhanger. So, you know, I think by these days, the way we look at movies and TV, this, it certainly didn't bother me looking back on a movie from 40 years ago that, you know, it kind of had a cliffhanger and that the characters 
will change more later. So it didn't bother me, but I guess I can get why at the time it was sort of odd. Um, and okay, so this film also would go on to win the Academy Award for Best Sound. Matt, can you tell me, is Best Sound, does that include the score or is it just like the special effects? Best Sound Mixing slash Sound Editing are different categories than Best Song or Best Original Score. So Best Sound, um, it sounds like they had a different category slightly back then, but I would assume that would mean not the music, just kind of like the sound effects and the way the world you know, uses audio cues and stuff like that, um, which certainly, I mean, I think it definitely deserves that. I mean, there's so many iconic sounds here and they use them so well. And like, I think it's very effective and it kind of helps you feel what the scene wants you to feel through audio cues, which I think is very impressive. So yeah, I think that that was, that one was certainly deserved, I would think. All righty. Well, uh, let's jump right into the, to the first act here then. Um, this film opens up three years after A New Hope. Uh, we learn in the opening crawl that things are pretty rough for the rebellion. Uh, many are hiding out on the ice planet Hoth, and Vader's been hunting Luke. Um, and the film opens with Luke being attacked by a wampa, and then a little bit of friction between Han and Leia, because uh, Han's trying to leave to go pay off his bounty to Jabba. All right, so first of all, I was worried when this movie started, because there's so much dumb shit here that was reminding me of A New Hope. <laughs> first of all, where's Commander Skywalker? Hey, have you seen Commander Skywalker? I'm like... What is this little bitch doing as a commander of the Rebel Alliance? What's this? I guess that it's three years later. What's this seventeen-year-old boy doing as a commander, dude? But still, you know. never been to flight school. Yeah, it's because of his resume. He blew up the Death honestly, Star. You're so absolutely they, right. They, I mean, like, not even joking. I mean, that's why. I mean, so they automatically made him a commander, and, well, and he was Captain Solo. <laughs> so at least they didn't pull that shit that they did last time where Han and Luke both got the same medal <laughs> for Luke destroying the Death Star single-handedly and Han just like knocking Darth Vader into like a like a little loop-de-loop at the end. <laughs> but so at least they're not the same rank. But I was laughing a little bit. I was like, that seems odd. <laughs> Why is he everybody's hero? But again, you're right. I mean destroyed the Death Star. But I didn't think we were gonna get to this yet. But Austin just said it. And I saw Keith smile. I don't know if he was smiling at that, but Austin just described them as Han and Leia. And normally we would make fun of Austin because he mispronounces every character name in this universe. <laughs> but this movie doesn't know what to call Han Solo. <laughs> like They call him Han. They do. In A New Hope, he's called Han, right? Or am I crazy? I mean, somebody might say, no, they kind of called him Han. Maybe I'm forgetting. So... But in this movie, he's mostly just called Solo, which I guess makes sense because he's a captain, so they call him Solo. And then Lando later on calls him Han, and it's like, okay, they're old friends, that's just what he calls him, maybe it's a joke, I don't know. But then Leia calls him Han, <laughs> I'm like, is she calling him Han because, like, the directors and writers wanted to cater to Billy D. Williams mispronouncing the name. They're like, oh, we love Billy D. So, Carrie, just just say Han. And she's like, I called him Han like a bunch of times in the last movie. It's like, who cares? It's so weird. I mean, I always like wondered why there was an argument of why it's like people call him Han Solo and some people say Han Solo. But now I get it because this movie doesn't know what to call this guy. <laughs> Despite the kind of goofy Commander Skywalker stuff, I do think this film sets a more serious tone from the beginning. Than oh, the first yeah. One does. Right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, joking aside on the Commander Skywalker stuff, it is cool. Like, basically in his first scene, Luke already seems like more mature, more like, like I guess, world-weary. Like, he's seen a lot. Um, and he's just 
right off the bat, he doesn't seem like that whiny kid that we made fun of so many times in the last episode of this. So that that was cool to see some progression in that sense. Um, and yeah, also the um, the costume design in this movie is so much better than the first. Like the rebel yeah. uh, snowsuits always look so cool. Um, I just oh, yeah. I love it. Like you can tell, like it's all it all just looks so well done, and it looks like it's a different universe. Uh, like everybody's outfits that we see. Yeah, for sure. No, they did a great job with that too. Um, okay, so like we said, Han is there. There is a little friction between Han and Leia because uh, he is trying to leave, go pay off his debt to Jabba, and uh, when he's begging for a kiss from Leia in the hallway, that does not age well. So obviously, that itself doesn't age well. So without a doubt, that doesn't. But looking at it beyond that, I did not. Rem- I mean, looking back on this movie, what I remembered both as a kid and as a teenager was that like it was kind of a surprise whenever Han and Leia kiss in the Millennium Falcon later, it was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But it felt like natural. Like it felt like just in the moment, like they just, you know, we're going to kiss or whatever. It just kind of happened. It was like, okay. And then from then on, it sort of progresses. That's what I remembered happening. But yeah, it's not really what happens. Like this movie literally starts and we understand that even though it's been three years, Han still really wants to, like leave, I guess the rebel Alliance, but yeah, you're right. Like literally like his character from the get go, they establish him and Leia as like, they've liked each other this whole time, which was a little bit strange. It's like, he's like saying over and over again, like, Oh princess, you know, you want me. And like, she's like, Oh Han, or I guess she's Oh Han. But, um, yeah. At the beginning, she's like, I don't want you at all. I can't yeah, stand you. <laughs> but the way they set it up, it's like this was established in the first movie. So that was a little bit weird for me to be like, oh, I did not remember that it just coming out of nowhere like that. Um, and I overall, that's probably my least favorite part about the movie because after all this, they have their kiss. I think the kiss itself is a good moment in the Millennium Falcon. But then from that point to whenever Han uh, you know, gets frozen in carbonite, it's maybe, I don't know, 25 minutes. So for that to happen and then her to drop like the famous I love you line and then him to go, I know, it doesn't hold up in the sense of like, this just seems a little bit silly. <laughs> like, why? Like, I don't have any evidence to show me or like believe that. But, you know, it is what it is. That's this certainly isn't the only movie that's the offender that I feel like lots of movies back then kind of did that with relationships. So it is what it is. And hopefully this will change in Return of the Jedi, but I in this movie I feel like Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford have like zero chemistry. I just didn't like the writing for their I didn't like the writing for their relationship. It's implied, I think, over the past three years that they were kind of flirting and all that, but she was always playing hard to get and he was always like that which is what they get at in the writing when they kiss in the uh the Millennium Falcon is whenever he's like, You like scoundrel and all that. So she's like she doesn't want to admit that she likes him, but deep down, she loves her some She hand. loves some hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, the big plot driver in this opening scene is that uh, Luke doesn't return uh, from scouting out the ice planet, and it's getting too cold at night for people to be out there. So Han has to go out there and look for him. Um, and R2 and C-3PO try to scan the planet for him, but C-3PO gives up because he's too cold. <laughs> This was not a good start. You guys know how I feel about C-3PO. The audience, they listened to our last episode. They know how I feel about him. I'm on board with you now, too. Yeah, he is better in this movie. He has some good moments coming up that we'll talk about, but this starting off point was not a good one. He, that, yeah, he literally, like, chews out R2 for trying to find their friend 
because he's too cold and he has to go back inside. <laughs> so silly. And he, he goes out there to look for him for like maybe two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was cool. I didn't remember the stakes here because like obviously I remember that Han goes out on the Tauntaun to go find Luke, but I did like that they set up because this was kind of a cool way of not like having Luke and Han have back and forth, like, oh, we're best friends. Remember that time we did blank? God, you're my best friend. Like they did cool little things to establish that. Like Han is like, where's Luke? Where's Luke? He's like, is the speeder ready? And they're like, no, it's broken. And he's like, well, I'm taking a Tauntaun. They're like, you're going to freeze to death. And he's like, well, I'll see you in hell. Like he's going to go find his friends. And I like that they don't have to like yeah. say that. I thought that was cool. And I liked that the stakes now aren't just for Luke to be gone, but also Han could easily die looking for him, which I thought was a really cool setup. Yeah, I really like Han and Luke's uh, relationship in this film. Even though they're not together too much on screen, it already feels like more natural than it did in the first movie. Yeah, we don't have those shitty weird lines like, Luke, may the force be with you. Thank God George Lucas did not write this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do want to, speaking of the force, uh, we got it. So I was thinking about this because like, what was the force in the first movie, right? Like, what was it? It was something that Obi-Wan kept saying, like, may the force be with you, like, the force, blah, blah, blah. And we see him do, like, the Jedi mind trick. And then Luke apparently uses the force to cover his eyes and deflect some laser blasts. So, and then in this movie, all of a sudden, it becomes, like, a whole different thing, which is cool. But, like, I mean, the force push and pull, like, when he grabs the lightsaber is pretty iconic. So, that wasn't in the first movie, was it? No, the, really the only time the Force was like used on other people was the mind trick and then Vader choking out his general. Oh, uh, yeah, movie. the Force choke. And then I guess whatever you would call Obi-Wan disappearing during the Vader fight. Yeah. So, yeah, it was cool to see them kind of play around with more aspects of it. So I like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, because he's been training with Obi-Wan, his ghost, the ghost of Obi-Wan the past three years. Is that so. true? Is that true? I, I want to say so, yeah. I think you're being very generous to the writers here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be. I don't know. I, I may have missed that. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Like, has, Whenever he sees Obi-Wan's Force ghost for the first time in Hoth when he's like about to die, is that the first time he's seen him? I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure. I'm sure he's doing some Force training through Obi-Wan. You're probably right about that. I just We didn't get to see that. Um, okay, so eventually Han does find Luke. Um, he cuts open a tauntaun that dies from the cold and uh, he puts Luke in there to keep him warm and save him from uh, freezing to death. And then Keith, they're found the next day by one of your favorite characters. How does the Rogue 2 thing work here? So, yeah, this time it's Rogue 2 because Rogue 1 was whenever they they were going after the Death Star. But this is also it's still Wedge and Tilly's from Rogue 1. But this time it it's Rogue 2 on Hoth. Wait, that's the guy that finds Luke? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was the same guy that died later. Not Dak, <laughs> but no. there's a second. There's a Not second Dak. guy that died. I thought that was that guy, but his Hoth speeder or, whatever, or ship, whatever you call it, gets shot, but okay, he didn't so die. Okay, yeah, okay. That's the second time Wedge gets shot gotcha. and doesn't die. This guy, this guy just keeps surviving on. Forgive me, Star Wars fans. Um, why do people care about this guy? <laughs> why does anybody <laughs> care about Wedge Antilles? I mean, he was kind of in the first movie. I guess they established that he was C three PO an R2-D2's owner for a time. But then he's maybe only just in the beginning of that movie. And then he has some good scenes here. I won't deny that. 
But then he's gone for the rest of the movie. Like, why do people care about this guy? Is he in the next one? <laughs> no, but it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because the actor himself who plays him doesn't even give a shit about him. All the fans were like, we love Wedge, bring Wedge back. And so they didn't bring him back in Return of the Jedi. And then they didn't, obviously, prequels were before Wedge's time. So the new trilogy that just came out, Force Awakens, the first movie, they were wanting to bring him back in that some in some way as an older Wedge. And he's like, no. The actor said no. He turned it down. They wanted to bring him back. He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to come back. I don't give a shit about playing that character. <laughs> and then eventually he gave in and came back in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Again, for like two seconds of screen time where yeah. it just like cuts to him in a ship and, and then, he's like let's get it done <laughs> and then you had the point like yeah then you had the point zero five percent of the fans like in the audience like yeah wedge and then that yeah! was it. <laughs> i knew he'd come back yeah. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> so yes uh han and luke are found by wedge antilles and they're taken back to base um luke gets some time to rest up and his diaper and his reward is getting to be made out with by his sister. <laughs> <laughs> Our hero. Our hero. You know, first the first time you save the galaxy, it's a medal. Second time you save the galaxy, it's a forcible <laughs> kiss from your sister. <laughs> and he gets another one later that's all, even grosser that we'll talk about when we get to it, because I did not remember that one. I just hate that after this kiss, it must have been a directing choice, not his, but his decision to, after um, Alea kisses him, to then just like relax like he's in hawaii like on a vacation he just like puts both his hands behind his head and chills out it's like what are you doing all right so you know the reason the reason he actually puts his hands back like that is mm-hmm. because they like the way chewbacca did that in the first one when they were playing that like the chess game on the millennium mm-hmm. Falcon. chewbacca did that whenever he won he put his hands back and they liked that he uh-huh. did that so they're like we'll make luke do that in this one at, at that moment yeah it's it's cool that Chewie did it. It's, it's just not cool that Luke did it after French kissing his sister. <laughs> <laughs> what a big win for our hero. After the Luke and Leia kiss, Han and Chewie go out to destroy this recon droid. Um, and the rebels realize the Empire has found them. So they, they start preparing for attack. Uh, we cut to Darth Vader on his ship. Who? Uh, why does he kill this general? Because he doesn't want to move forward with the attack. But he does kill he does kill a general um, on his ship and then launches an attack on the Hoth base. Uh, I think the mistake was that they weren't they had a signal from Hoth, but they weren't they wasn't confirmed that rebels were there. They thought the rebels were there. Darth Vader used the force and said they're there, and the general was like, "We're not sure they're there, so we're not going to waste the resources sending the troops down there." And and so that's why they had that disagreement. That's why he choked him out. Um, okay, so the this starts kind of the big conclusion to the first act, which is the Hoth battle. Um, the empires uh, launch their ATAT walkers to try and destroy the shield generator, and the rebels uh, try and escape by launching one transport ship at a time and using their forces to buy them enough time to escape. Yeah, this was really cool. I like this entire sequence. Um, I like that during this huge battle, the rebels are also trying to escape, so there's lots of planes of action. It also cuts back in- inside the base, and we see what. Han, Leia, 3PO, everybody's up to. So that's cool. And yeah, I really like the way they shoot the actual flying this time. It looks even better than it did last time around. So watching them in their... Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, and their speeders zoom around and then cut to inside the cockpit view and we get to see everything in front of them, all the blasts. It looks really cool and it still holds up very well today. Um, and yeah, and you have those like classic like war movie moments too that you actually kind of feel like whenever his... um. Whether or not you care about his co-pilot, it, it is 
it like raises the stakes because they get shot and then it's like shit what's luke gonna do because he can't do the tow cable now so now he has to get someone else to do it and then i guess that was wedge who then also almost dies um so yeah there's lots of great moments and then i love the ending of it whenever luke gets out of the speeder and uses that cool gun with like the suction cup to like go up i just there's something about the way that they do the lightsabers in this movie specifically that it might be kind of silly and like there's no realism to it but i didn't really care i just love that like anytime it hit an object it like exploded so like i like how he just like swings the light yeah. up into There's the like sparks everywhere into the AT yeah. and it just like immediately just explodes <laughs> like it, it's kind of silly at, like thinking about it but it looks so cool like all the sparks and just everything um yeah this whole is um, awesome there's a lot of things in this scene that look great the blasters look great um the flying looks great like you said i really like the rebels in the trenches i think mm-hmm. that's that looks really cool and the AT-AT is like really intimidating when they're coming up on them however when they do figure out a way to rope the ATAT and it falls down, yeah, that did not hold up. It yeah. looks like a claymation scene. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I don't know how they did that specifically, but I mean, they were using like stop motion earlier in the movie, like the tauntauns and stuff, showing them moving. Yeah. So <laughs> it looks so bad. Yeah, it's one of those things that's just kind of it's hard to watch that in a live action these days. It just looks so weird to the eye because we're not used to it anymore. But. Yeah, I'm sure at the time it looked amazing. It just doesn't hold up anymore. Yeah, everything else looks cool though. So I think I'll take it. I enjoyed it. I think Hoth is a cool planet to open up with. It's the polar opposite of where we started the first movie. Ooh. The first movie is a desert planet, and now a we're on an ice polar planet. Polar so. opposite. Polar opposite. Pun intended. Oh, there you go. Yeah. No, I mean you're actually right. It's not just this week, not just this sequence, but for me, with the exception of like the weird like Han Leia romance setup, I think I love pretty much everything that happens on Hoth. It was so different. You get to see cool new force powers, the way he pulls the lightsaber in. I think that was one of the few places they actually filmed on location in Norway, in the mountains there in Norway, which is why yeah, it looks man. so clear. It looks good. And um the the blizzard scene, whenever the Han and Luke are out in the blizzard, that was actually a real blizzard that they filmed it. That was yeah, a real storm. Right. I mean, yeah, that's why these movies look better than the prequels, movies that came out like so many years before, is because they shot so much on location and like used practical sets. I mean, this movie looks great considering it came out 40 years ago this year, I think, 1980. Yeah, so 40 years ago. That's crazy. Um, and then, yeah, before we move on, this is a pretty important scene as well. Whenever Luke is dying in the snow, we get the. Um, Obi-Wan Force Ghost, which tells him definitely just exposition, but I was fine with it, telling him to go to the Dagobah. Um, I didn't remember that, so that was cool. I was like, okay, that's how he knows to go there. So that was cool. I also like that they don't just use that to tell him to go to Dagobah. Like, I like that Obi-Wan shows up later, too. Like, I'm glad that it's a recurring thing. Yeah, instead me too. Of just drive the plot forward yeah and i like that um i really actually i've always kind of thought it comical how the force ghosts look except for last jedi where it looked like incredible but like in most of the movies it just you know it's just the actor with like a like shitty blue outline <laughs> around them so it looks silly but in this scene this looked really cool i liked how he was transparent i, I, I think like, it's because of the blizzard I uh, yeah i mean that's cool. why but i mean i was like they i wish they would have found a way to use that but it did uh, before, you know, because we, we made fun of A New Hope so much. Before we continue on into the second act, we got to make fun of it a little bit here. Again, Mark Hamill, we love him now. We're big fans, but he's not perfect yet. But <laughs> whenever uh, Han is like stuffing him into the Tauntaun's stomach or whatever, <laughs> I just love Luke just like like looking past that, just going, Ben, Dagobah. 
Yoda! Just <laughs> laughing so I, hard. I immediately thought of that episode from Man vs. Wild where Bear cuts over that that like that, that moose or whatever that's like yeah. out in Iceland and he gets inside and sleeps in it. I immediately thought of that. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so the... The uh, the first act concludes with um, the back the rebel evacuation moving forward. Uh, Luke gets into space and sets a course for Dagobah, and Han, Leia, C three PO, and Chewbacca have to uh, escape into space, but they get followed by the Empire. Right. Yeah. No. Cool setup. I like the scene of the Millennium Falcon escaping as we see like Luke on the mountain watching it, and then yeah, different planes of action. I like that in a lot of and like the TV shows. I like when they split up characters to give them cool, interesting stories. Um, and I like where both stories go. So this is cool. And that's the last time Luke and Han are on screen together until Return of the Jedi. I know. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. I think that must be why they kind of front loaded the movie with some like actual, like interesting and cool Luke Han relationship, friendship stuff. So it was nice that we got to see that since we don't get to see any of it till the next movie. Alrighty, well, let's jump into the second act here then. Um, this opens with Luke crash landing on the Dagobah, and then at the same time, uh, Han and Leia are kind of avoiding the Empire forces through an asteroid field, and they eventually settle on what they think is an asteroid cave. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good stuff. Again, I like the way the movie looks and sounds. Lots of cool flying. Everything sounds really great. Um and yeah, I, I, one thing I really like is that they clearly made an effort in this movie to explore. It's a galaxy far, far away. So they're actually exploring that. I mean, if you think about the first movie, what is it? It's Tatooine. And then they're in the Death Star. In the space the entire time. And then they end up in the Death Star. And then various ships, of course. And then the very end, we get to see a little bit of Yavin. That's it. In this movie, we get Hoth, completely different. We get Cloud City, obviously very different. Dagobah, a swamp, very different. Like lots of really cool different stuff. So seeing that in motion was really cool. Yeah, this actually feels like a big galaxy in this movie. Um, I will say, though, whenever Luke crash lands on a Dagobah, you know, in the first movie, we had that awful trash compactor scene of him screaming out 3PO over and over. So, of course, in this <laughs> yeah. movie, we had to get him yelling out R2 when they're sinking in the swamp. Definitely better. <laughs> R2! Definitely not as cringy, but still, I admit it, it made me laugh, not because of the performance, but because I was thinking about the trash compactor scene. <laughs> Three me out! Yeah, me too. Three me out! <laughs> uh, okay, so while Luke is on Dagobah, uh, eventually he does run into a little, at the, he doesn't know it's Yoda at the time, but it's this little green alien. Um, dude, I had forgotten how weird Yoda's introduction is in this film. Like he shows up, he's eating Luke's dinner, he's fighting with R2, he's making a mess of his camp on purpose. And I, I had forgotten like how he eventually transitions into that mentor role. So I was like, oh man, I do not remember Yoda being this weird ass character. Let's talk about Luke's dinner for one thing. I always <laughs> laugh whenever I look at it, when he's eating that little, looks like a dried up piece of dog shit. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's like, is it like tauntaun meat or something like that? Yeah, it's leftover tauntaun intestine from the night he spent inside. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to bring up the Yoda thing because I really like it. I like it how it has that scene where once Yoda basically like, I guess it's in his house. Once he starts communing with Obi-Wan, 
And then Luke is like, you're Yoda. I like how he goes from like the really silly, like crazy old man to like a serious Jedi master. Um, yeah. I like that. I had just forgotten is, that he does that. Yeah. So when I first saw this scene, I was like, Oh man, Yoda is not as cool as I remember. Yeah. Cause they definitely like played it up in the prequels that <laughs> they definitely played it up in the prequels that he was like the wisest person. And like here, the intro to him originally was just this crazy old hermit. But I guess the idea, I don't really know because then he does transition. So it's like, maybe he was just acting, but either way you look at it, I mean, this guy at this point has been on Hoth for like 20 years in exile. Um, Dagobah. So maybe he's, sorry, yeah, Dagobah. So yeah, maybe he's going a little bit crazy. Who knows? If I remember correctly, R2 did not have his memory wiped. So shouldn't he remember Yoda? So he'd be like, oh, hey, that's Yoda. I thought R2 and 3PO had their memories wiped. I could be totally wrong on that. But- I think... 3PO had his memory wiped. R2 never had his memory wiped. Also, does anybody know why their memories were wiped? Or was that just like kind of like a weird thing that they had to introduce because they felt that there was no way that they could have the characters in the prequels without like having knowledge, you know what I mean, of what happened? It was uh, they never they never show it in the original trilogy, right? Like we never actually No, they definitely never them. show us. I think the implication is that it happened between three and four at some point, but I don't know why. I mean it seems like these droids have so much knowledge, but maybe three PO is so annoying that they were just like, oh, who gives a fuck? I just can't listen to this guy talking. <laughs> well, episode three, um, Senator Organa takes them and he takes them to Alderaan, and I think he mentions that he'll he'll clean them up and wipe the memory, but I don't know if he wiped oh. I don't know if he wiped R2s. I, I think I read somewhere that he only wiped 3PO's. No, that makes sense then. Yeah, because he obviously did it because they couldn't have the secret about the kids out there, um, about Luke and Leia, because they would become targets. So they obviously probably had to erase 3PO, who they can't keep a secret. Blabbermouth, um, yeah. I guess R2, I guess, since he can't speak in the same way, maybe they you know didn't have to do that. But regardless if he does have his memory i was going to bring up the same thing austin because even the other way around i'm pretty sure yoda knows r2 we can't we have to everybody has to keep in mind r2d2 and c3po were like anakin's best friends so anytime this guy was walking around for like the fucking 20 plus years he was a jedi knight i mean people should recognize these droids i guess again yoda was acting so i guess that makes way more sense than the obi-wan thing from a new hope which i still don't understand i forgot to look that up but i don't i don't know why nobody recognizes these droids who know everything they know who darth vader is (laughs) they know about these two kids but again their memories were wiped apparently so i guess they get a pass well, so while uh, Luke is on Dagobah, um, Han and Leia and Chewie are making repairs on the Falcon. Falcon um, C-3PO is nagging them from the background because that's mm-hmm. all he can do in this film. Yeah. Um, eventually, yes, we do get to the Leia and Han kiss while they're repairing. And again, in a vacuum, I think that's a good moment. Um, but yeah, looking at kind of their relationship, where it started and certainly where it goes, it ends by this movie. Kind of weird, but you know, at least we get a good moment out of it. And we also do get our first uh, introduction to Emperor Palpatine. Uh, we do a, right. we have a quick scene with Vader on one of his ships, um, and he gets a message from Palpatine, which he tells him, Luke is Anakin Skywalker's son, and he must not become a Jedi. Yeah. So, from what I remember, Darth Vader was set up as the big bad, right? In the original. I mean, I guess Darth Vader and Tarkin were on the same level, so I guess... like. There obviously was somebody 
above them power like level wise you know like a boss but i guess we just didn't know about it and we certainly didn't see the emperor yet so yeah here's our introduction to the emperor only seen in the movie um they went back after the fact obviously to make him look more like um emperor yeah i was gonna ask you you you're telling me that george lucas added special effects to new hope did he do that to this one too yeah but certainly not as much and the ones that he did add while there are some glaring ones, there's not as many. They don't look as bad as the, uh, you know, the New Hope ones. Uh, but this one was cert- this one makes sense. I mean, Ian McDiarmid, the actor, played Palpatine. I think originally only in Return of the Jedi when he plays a prominent role. But I guess by whenever they didn't have him cast yet, whenever they were doing Empire, so he looked a little bit different, I guess. So kind of going back after the after they did the prequels, they basically just redid the scene using. Um, that actor in the prequels, which makes sense. I'm fine with that. Um, I was reading that George Lucas and Lee Brackett made a constant, a conscious decision to uh, introduce a new overarching villain that could be an enemy for their remaining two films. Yeah. So that's why we get Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This may be a hot take. I mean, if we if we end up doing all the star Wars movies, I'll be talking about it more. I don't like the emperor. I know for a lot of people, he's like their favorite character and they love that actor. I think it's all silly. I don't like it. <laughs> um, and I get why they did it. Look, why did they introduce him? It's probably because how are they going to give Darth Vader a redeeming moment? If there isn't somebody worse than him that like, as we'll talk about return of the Jedi, you know, Vader watching what Palpatine does to Luke makes him, you know, turn back to the good at the very end. So without him, would that have happened? I don't know. I just don't literally like the character. Um, And talking about in the context of this movie, it's just one scene. So it's basically just showing us that he has a boss. So I guess, to be fair, in the context of this one, I can't complain about it too much. I just guess I've never really loved the idea of the Emperor, but maybe that'll change whenever we rewatch these movies. They had to have him... So Vader had like an origin story, I guess. Like, because when they go back right. and say, "How did Anakin turn over?" They had to have that guy who recruited him, who turned him. Yeah, you're right. No, that's a good point. Yeah, so it, it makes sense why he's there for sure. So I'm, I guess my big hope is whenever we watch Return of the Jedi um, two weeks from now that uh, I feel differently about the Emperor as a whole. So yeah, we just got a glimpse of him in this one. Um, okay, so then we cut back to Dagobah, and Luke has begun his training with Yoda. Um, Yoda's trying to train him in the force and he keeps uh, preaching patience to him and control. Um, And then eventually we do get a scene where uh, Luke goes into a cave. Yoda tells him not to bring his weapons, but Luke does anyways. And he kills what he thinks is Vader. It's an illusion. Um, But then he actually sees Leia when he cuts his head off. No, it's Luke, right? It's himself. Oh, it's himself? Oh, it looks like Leia. No, uh, it's himself. I mean, you know, I was just... We've seen this type of scene in other media. I think most of it is parodying, you know, or playing off of this. So I guess his biggest fear is himself or... Uh, Yoda created it to show him that his biggest enemy is is himself, like the dark side within. Yeah, because at this point, Yoda is also preaching um, that, you know, the dark side is bad. You can't do that. And we do get glimpses of you know, Luke asking questions about it. Like, is the dark side stronger? Is it better in that sense? Um, and we get to see kind of glimpses of Anakin stuff from the prequels. Like, well, maybe that power can help me achieve what I need to in order to like save people or whatever. Um, I think that's kind of the implication, but yeah, I think it was to show that he's kind of afraid of both Vader and then himself. And then and we do kind of get three big teachings from Yoda in this movie. Uh, one is that a Jedi has to be present. They can't yearn for the future. Um, the force, the second one is the force can only be used for knowledge and defense. 
And then the third is you need to believe in the force and field around you in order to uh, use it. Um, since we've all seen the entirety of the series, do you think these teachings hold up? No. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Um, I guess it could have if whenever in episode two, whenever Yoda walked up into Count Dooku's room and was like, patience and defense, and then didn't start flipping around like a fucking idiot, <laughs> like fighting this guy. I mean, it's bullshit. I love the idea well, of it. Technically, I, he's not using the force there, though. Oh, you're right. He's... I guess yeah, there's different rules for your lightsaber. You can just murder anybody. You want <laughs> I mean, Anakin learned that lesson in the same movie where he murdered women and children. <laughs> He's like, I didn't do it with the force. I did it with my sword. Uh, no, but to answer your question, I, look, I feel like even people that love Star Wars kind of, I don't know if complaints the right word, but they talk about how the fact that the force, the concept of the force, like legitimately changes every movie. Like I don't have, I have no idea what this thing is. I don't know what it does, what it's capable of, how it manifests its, its origin, its purpose. I don't know the teachings. The t- even the teachings change every movie. Like they're literally talking about defense, and it's like <laughs> that. They never stick to that. So I don't know, man. Um, I, I like I, again. I like it in a vacuum, but I don't know if it holds up. The Jedi's definitely use the Force when they're fighting. Like they push people all the time. That's what I'm saying. They don't only use it. Yeah. I guess I guess they have to let someone else strike first, maybe. I don't know. They're not supposed to use it out of hate, but only defense. So I don't know. Also, wasn't like the whole thing from the prequels, what is it? It's like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate hate leads to suffering, and suffering leads to the dark side. And like this whole like training Luke is like, I'm so afraid. (laughs) Yoda's like, oh well, like, oh yeah, I'm sure you are. And it's like Again, when did they come up with these teachings? When did they forget them? I don't know, man. I think George Lucas just kind of forgot about some of his plot points that he came up with in these movies. <laughs> uh, okay, so Luke does try to pull his uh, crashed uh, his crashed X-Wing out of the swamp, uh, but he can't do it. He tells Yoda it's impossible. What you're Yoda... asking is impossible! <laughs> um, Yoda says it's because he didn't believe in himself, and then Yoda pulls the ship out of the swamp. Um, and then we cut back to space. Uh, Vader shows Vader employing a bunch of bounty hunters uh, to look for Han and Leia. Um, and then eventually Leia and Han realize what they're, what they, they're hiding in, what they think is a cave, but it's actually a giant space worm. So they get out of there uh, and then they're briefly chased by some Empire ships. Sure is a lot of moisture in here. <laughs> yeah, weird line. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like I like the space worm stuff. I think that's so cool. That's like actually like like a, like a cool like animatronic or whatever they use, like a, a puppet or something. But the way that comes out, it definitely looks old school. But I think it looks so cool. Um, yeah, I think it looks cool. And then just ca- like capping off, like you mentioned the Yoda stuff. Yoda has so many great lines and some of it, like so many iconic lines. But I just man, I got chills whenever um he raised the ship up and then Luke like is like ex- like expecting it. And he's like he can't believe it. And then he even says like. I can't believe it. And then Yoda fucking burns me. He's like, that's why you fail. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? that's a great line. I oh, think yeah. that's Yoda's famous line is that do or do not, or there do or do not. not, there is no try. Yeah. But I think, I think that line's a better line. What about the other one though, at the beginning, whenever, uh, I can't remember what Luke says. He's like, he's like, he's like begging Yoda to start teaching him. And he's like, I'm not afraid. And he's like, you will be. <laughs> I was like, oh my god I'm terrified <laughs> uh, 
Shout out to Frank Oz, who, you know, does the voice and did the puppetry for Yoda. Because, like, I mean, that honestly is crazy that with just a little puppet, he goes from being just this silly, crazy old hermit that nobody takes seriously to that scene where it does the close-up of, you will be. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is terrifying. <laughs> like, that's honestly, that takes, like, a crazy level of performance. So, shout out to him. Um, okay. And so, the big reason why... Uh... Han and Leia are making repairs and Chewie are making repairs to the ship is because the hyperdrive's not working so they can't make the jump to light speed. Um, so while they're trying to escape from the Empire, Han eventually pulls uh, some nifty moves and latches on to the back of a of an Empire Star Destroyer um, right by their trash chute. And he makes a plan where he knows if the Empire is going to jump to light speed, they have to follow protocol and eject their trash. And so he's going to hide in their trash as they float away from him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I liked that. I'd forgotten about that. I think it's cool. Yeah, and then I love that. Uh, like whenever it seems like all you know, well and done, uh, Boba Fett pops up and then is chasing them, which I guess is yeah, a yeah. follow up from the previous scene. We don't have to go too much into it, but basically they show us that Darth Vader is you know willing to employ bounty hunters to try and find um, Solo specifically. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And to see Boba Fett, obviously he looks awesome. And yeah, I, lo- I love the ending to that scene where it seems like everything's going to be great and then you just see the other ship turn on and follow them. Good stuff. This uh, second act does kind of conclude with um, Han and the Falcon uh, landing on Bespin. We're introduced to Lando Carlissian. Cal- <laughs> Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. Um, and uh, Leia doesn't feel good about him, but Han's like, he's my friend. I don't trust him, but he's my friend. Um, and then eventually... They're walking through uh, Lando's Cloud City, and we get my favorite scene of the movie. Can you guys guess what it is? It's whenever 3PO gets exploded. Not only exploded, he gets dismembered. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I like that, too. <laughs> Unfortunately, Chewbacca had to put him back together, but what are you going to do, I guess? Yeah, Chewie weirdly really cares about C-3PO, which you would think they would all just find him extremely annoying and they'd just be like, oh, great. Let's well, just go do. recycle him. They do. Leia turns him off at one point, tells him to shut yeah. up. And then <laughs> Chewie like, disrespects him by wearing him as a backpack the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> which I really like. And then whenever R2 is putting him back together at the end, of course, 3PO is like, you know, bitching the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. And then the last scene of this second act is uh, Lando invites uh, Han, Leia, and Chewie to dinner. um, And when they open the door, Vader's sitting there waiting for him. Great twist. I love the execution of this. Certainly, I mean, we know it's coming now, but I mean, this is one of those ones that you just would have no reason to suspect otherwise, I feel like. But I love the execution. It's so striking and weird to see Vader in his full getup sitting like in like, you know, comparatively just like a normal room, like not sitting in like in a Death Star or a ship. It's so jarring, but so cool. Um, it yeah, is funny that. that the table's the table's set and he's still got his helmet on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he already ate, so he wouldn't be embarrassed because we do get to we do get the glimpse of uh, uh, the back of Vader's head in this movie. And, it, it, you know, we can tell that not looking so good under there <laughs> I, I like the part when han pulls out his gun immediately and just shoots and he just uses and his we invader yeah which i didn't remember walk. i mean that must have been like the inspiration for the kylo ren stuff catching the blaster but that was really cool to see like he literally just fucking holds up his hands and just like deflects all of it so cool yeah. loved it that was the only scene i think in the entire trilogy where han and uh, vader actually are face to face that's it that's the only one 
All right, and I guess I did forget to mention that um, while on Dagobah, Luke sees a vision of Han and Leia in trouble, and so he leaves to go rescue them. Um, so at, while all this is going on, Luke is on his way to Dagobah. Yoda said not to go. Remember that? Yoda's like, don't yeah. yeah. And Obi-Wan too said that. Yeah. But Anakin, his downfall was that he was plagued by visions of the future. Obviously, that's why he ended up turning to the dark side to prevent Padme's death. Um so is that just a Skywalker thing or do all the Jedis see visions of the future? Well, Yoda does in his teachings say Jedis can't yearn for the future. They have to be in the present. So maybe they all can, but they're just not supposed to do that. Also, what would, speaking of that scene, what were your guys' thoughts? Because I've always not been 100% sure of what the goal was with um, Yoda's last scene in this movie whenever um, Luke takes off and then like the lighting does a weird thing where like a it gets really dark and he's still talking. And then Obi-Wan's ghost is like, he's our last hope. And then Yoda's like, there is another. Who's he talking about? Is he talking about Leia? Because if he is, to me, they completely botch that in this movie and the next movie. Like she doesn't do anything. Or is he talking about Rey? I think he's talking about, he's talking about Leia. Rey wouldn't have been born. <laughs> Matt, just, <laughs> Matt just rolled his eyes all the way back in his head. Uh, back to one of our episodes. There's <laughs> no way. There's no way they were planning for that. No. Dude, I mean, yeah, they're talking about Leia. Is there a chance? Because I, I assume it's Leia, but I do think they kind of botch it because Leia doesn't do anything Jedi or Force or anything cool that I remember in this movie and the next movie. Not to diss her character. I like her, but that line, that line feels weird to say it if they don't do any anyway what i was gonna say is what could be cool and maybe this is just like me geeking out but like is he because remember in the prequels like by the end of three whenever yoda's just accepted that anakin might not be the chosen one you know but what if like in that scene is he like thinking that anakin might is he seeing him kill the emperor is he hoping for that to happen that could be it because what's he referencing because like I don't think I think they don't really follow through with that in Return of the Jedi. Alrighty, well let's go in, let's get into the final act of this movie, which just like a new hope is also extremely short. Um, the rest of this film takes place on Bespin. Um, Han and Leia are betrayed by Lando, like we said. Uh, Vader, we find out, is using Han to lure Luke to the planet because he wants to uh, basically bring him to the Emperor. Um, and eventually, Luke shows up. Um, Han is also carbon frozen and given to uh, the mysterious bounty hunter who we'd later know as Boba Fett. And Han's taken back to Jabba. Um, and then, yes, we do get the Vader and Luke fight where Vader reveals that he is Luke's father. Yeah, first of all, way cooler fight, way better choreography and way, way fighting than just one movie ago. So that was cool to see. And it was cool to see like Vader move quicker also. Um, and like, I, I always love seeing him just use one hand to fight and see how powerful his slashes are with just one hand. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this fight already. So cool. I love like the way it kind of moves between different levels. And I love that ending of course, as well. Like, I mean, no, no question the most, Icon- yeah, I guess maybe not the best to some people, but without a doubt, the most iconic, you know. I mean, you get that the cool first force jump from Luke when he's – Yeah. And he jumps up into the wires and all that. Yeah, that was Vader cool. Form and all that. that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah this it, fight looks yeah. way better than any of the first movie's fights. 
Mm-hmm. There is, I just want to say though, there is a goofy moment here when Vader's shoving all the boxes at him and Luke's going, ah, Yeah, ah. I noticed that too this time. That was weird. It, it, it kind of felt like they were actually like throwing something at him and like he was just like missing the cues a little bit in terms of like, like <laughs> reacting to getting hit. So yeah, that was a little bit funny, but everything else I think works. Uh, so yeah, we got to talk about this twist. Um, what do you guys think of this twist? How does it hold up? Do you have any thoughts like whenever you, you know, first remember it or what do you have to say about this twist? I have a thought when Mark Hamill finds out about, or when Luke finds out about this, yep. <laughs> Mark's, Mark Hamill's face looks actually disgusting here. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he's disgusted. That's impossible. No, but his, the, the facial, the facial contortions that he makes, his face looks like a pile of garbage. When Luke tells him about this, is, this, this is the face. This is how they casted him as Joker. <laughs> from yeah, this maybe. Well, what, maybe I mean, this is the face that somebody has, like you know, after they you know get in a motorcycle accident. I guess. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, there is something he does here. He doesn't just yell. His whole like mouth contorts. I mean, he's like drooling too. <laughs> it's certainly odd. I can't not like you know comment on it because it's just weird, but you know the scene itself is certainly shocking. You know they set up that Obi Wan had a pupil who was Anakin Skywalker, and then he had another pupil that was became Darth Vader and killed Anakin. So it's cool here. You know we get the payoff to that. And Palpatine um, even refers to Anakin Skywalker earlier in the movie. Yeah, to kind of throw them off, and they do continue that because I know Palpatine never refers to Vader as Anakin. Like he, it's like they're two different people to Palpatine. So I like that. Um, the kind of planting that seed. But yeah, I mean the scene's great. I love it. I love the twist itself. I remember the first time I saw it, I was just blown away. I had no idea what was happening or what this could mean going forward. And it's yeah, I think everybody. Up. I think everybody was blown away when this scene yeah. first uh, played out in, on screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the most iconic scene of all the Star Wars movies. That you know, if, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, people still know that line. You know, like "No, I am your father." People repeat that all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's probably one of the most iconic scenes in Any cinema movie. history. Yeah, for sure. Crazy, love it. Good stuff. Um, okay, so while this fight is going on, uh, Lando has a change of heart. He frees Leia and Chewie, um, and they try to go after Boba Fett before he can take off to try and save Han. Chewie has also put C-3PO back together. So like you said, Matt, he is wearing him like a backpack and bitching the whole time they're running across the, the Cloud City. Yeah, and then they just like happen to run into R2 who came there with Luke. So that they uh, kind of regroup as well. So yeah, good stuff. Obviously, they don't succeed. They miss Han's ship by just a little bit. Um yeah, so then they got to get out of there. They got to escape. And Boba has a bigger role in Return of the Jedi, right? Nope. Everybody is. Nope. I mean, I wouldn't say he has a bigger role than this. Certainly not any more screen time. I mean, he's spoilies for anybody that hasn't seen Return of the Jedi. I mean, he's out of commission. I mean, pretty quickly in that movie. And he dies in the lamest fucking way. Can't wait to talk about it. Well, uh, then. This is just like Wedge Antilles. Why I was going to say, this is definitely so better. To be this big at, least character. He, at least he looks cool. Wedge, I, I didn't even know this was Wedge. So, <laughs> But yeah, Boba, I think it's handled a little bit better. But yeah, he was always, you know, one of those characters that looked cool that, you know, they decided to give a backstory to and kind of ruined that. But, you know, whatever. I think it's it's done fine enough in this one. I think they kind of botched in the next one, but whatever. 
Um, okay, so after Vader tells Luke that uh, he's his father, he asks Luke to join him. Uh, Luke refuses and throws himself off of the air chute. Um, one-handed Luke falling through this air chute is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit silly. Uh, the green screening and just you know the way they the way they made it work. Um, and then, like even funnier, he like I mean he should die. Like I I don't know what the play was like if he used the force somehow here to like kind of adjust the way he fell because i mean he literally falls from like a freaking mile up and then he just lands directly at the right angle into a chute that has like a slide kind of so it's like he just like lands on the slide and like slides down i mean th- the force must have been involved here right it might have been a trash chute where like it suctions like the trash out or whatever oh maybe yeah i have no idea but it does end up looking cool. The fall itself looks awful, but where it ends up is pretty cool. I do like this scene uh, once he falls through and is hanging there. Yeah. And then he calls out to uh, Leia, you know, through the forest, and then that's able to connect them. And then she flies back and picks him up. So everyone's back together except Han, but, you know, Luke's safe at least. Yeah. And then um, we do end with. Uh... R2 is able to repair uh, the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon and they can shoot off in the light speed and escape. They regroup with the level fleet. Uh, Luke gets a new hand attached to him. That's like a robotic hand. Um, And then Lando and Chewie take off in the Falcon to go look for Han and Luke stays behind with Leia. Pretty big cliffhanger. I mean, the Empire is still at large and uh, Han might may or may not be dead. So Lots to look forward to in the next one. At least, like, you know, just looking at this movie on its own and where it could go. Certainly a cool ending. I kind of dug it where they decided to end it there, yeah. It is also such a great shot of Luke, Leia, R2, and 3PO just standing together looking out on the galaxy. Yeah, cool. Nice little moment to show these characters, like, one last moment for the most of them to be together um, before, like, going their separate ways. Um and clearly yeah, could you imagine could you imagine like seeing this in theaters back in the 80s and then like having to wait until return of the jedi yeah wait three years no yeah i would have wanted to know immediately <laughs> what was gonna happen <laughs> so yeah guys i i i posted in our intro so i do want to know do you still consider this the best film in the franchise yeah i mean great movie i really genuinely enjoyed it i feel like it holds up it's crazy that this movie's 40 years old um but I think for the most part, it really makes use of practical effects and some, you know, special effects in such a way that it's able to kind of maintain this long lasting look and have such a great impact. I, th- I think the dialogue is so much better. I think the characters feel so much like more like it feels like the actors are wearing them better in a way. Uh, so, yeah, I can't. There's, of course, you know, there's silly things to bring up like we did and joke about it because. <laughs> I mean, there just are some funny, goofy things where we go like, huh? Like, why would they do that? That just seems odd. But, I mean, overall, I mean, I can't I can't deny it. I, I, I really think this is just a great movie. still is. I do. Yeah, I still consider this one the best one. I think this one, if you were to recommend, if, you know, if you're only allowed to watch one Star Wars movie, I would recommend this one. Because I think it captures everything. It captures the characters. It captures... Like we were talking about earlier, all the different planets, the the space battles. Um, yeah, I think it just captures everything. You get the iconic Luke, you know, or I'm, no, I'm your father scene and all that. So, yeah, I think it still holds up. 
Yeah, the only I mean, I think it's got to be number 1. I don't I don't see anything surpassing it for me. The only Star Wars movies that come close and I need to see them again uh before I make that call are um I know it's controversial, but I'm a big fan of The Last Jedi. And then I guess again, this might be be even crazier to some people, but I love Solo as well. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Solo, I certainly wouldn't put over this movie just because, as a Star Wars movie, this one feels so much, you know, like bigger and more like Star Wars. But I am curious to watch Last Jedi again and talk about that. But yeah, for now, definitely number one, and it will be for a while because <laughs> I know <laughs> I know Return of the Jedi isn't going to surpass it, and I know obviously the prequels aren't going to, you know, blow past this one for me. Yeah, I think for me. Um this film held up way better than I expected it to. I really enjoyed this movie as opposed to the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think for me, I'm going to leave Rogue One at my favorite. Yeah. Um, but this movie is definitely a close second. And I, I had, I really had forgotten how good this movie is. This is definitely, like we say, one of the better films in this series. Um, it's incredibly well put together. The story is super interesting. Um, I think the characters in this movie are way more interesting than, than they were in the first one. And then all the fight scenes too, and the, the battles and everything just looks so cool too. And it still holds up after 40 years, which is crazy. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think it's just so good. Everybody out there who haven't watched it in a while, give it a watch. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as well. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, Thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. Um, At the Arnie's is our social and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next week with an episode on food. Uh, Full transparency. Full transparency. We have no clue what we're going to do for that yet. So uh, be sure to tune in, uh, hear what we came up with. And the Star Wars series will be back in two weeks. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Rip Biggs, baby. Where was he? Come back, baby. Come back, Biggs. Goodbye.